Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. I hope you're having a good week. Mine has been a little less than stellar. Unfortunately, I got COVID. Finally, forced to watch Candy and the Gang. (laughs) Um, I was supposed to be in the Hamptons this weekend with some friends, so it really sucked to have to bail on that trip. But I'm grateful that I'm healthy enough to recover at home. And as I was watching tons of TV and Bravo this week, I had so many thoughts and opinions about everything that was going on, but thought maybe I didn't have the energy to do the podcast. And then Saturday rolled around and I'm like, you know what? I think I have the energy. So (laughs) we're just going to do this. And please don't mind my voice or any uh, coughing (laughs) that may take place. But I just, I don't know, I couldn't stay away from the mic after seeing Teresa Giudice's wedding. First of all, is she changing her last name to be, oh my God, I don't even know what Louis's last name is. But that was such a hectic affair. I felt like I was there even though I wasn't. And I'm sure most of you feel that way. Also, having watched it all play out on social media and then in the press with Melissa and Joe Gorka deciding at the last minute not to attend. Now, I have lots of thoughts and opinions about Teresa, but I will say this. If you are close to a family member, even if you are in an argument with them at that moment or frustrated by their life choices, I believe you still should show up and support them at their wedding, regardless of anything. I really do. Uh, That's a day that can't be taken back. You can't you know, I don't know. It just, it feels wrong that Joe, her brother, her only living relative is not at her wedding. It just, I don't know. And again, I don't really know all the stuff that happened. Apparently there was some rumor that Melissa made out with this guy and it was brought up at the season 13 finale. I like if it's a rumor and it didn't happen, then who the F cares and just suck it up and go to the wedding. I mean, that's just how I feel. And part of me just thinks this is true, that Melissa did make out with someone. And that would make a whole lot more sense as to why her and Joe were having marital issues a couple seasons ago. It felt like it was just, I don't know, a fake storyline, just like her fake long lost sister that never existed. I don't know. What I will say is that Teresa does seem to have burned bridges with most of her friends and many of her family. So I don't know. It's like at the end of the day, she's sort of like the common denominator. Even Dina wasn't there. And that's, I don't know, that's a red flag to me that she just can't keep people in her life. But I do believe Joe and Melissa should have just stuck it up and attended the wedding. Um... Also, Kyle, Luann, and Ramona weren't there from Girls Trip, and I thought that was interesting that it was Kenya and Cynthia from Girls Trip that were there and not Kyle, Luann, and Ramona. And Ramona, after having tweeted out the like the, or the location and the date and put it on Instagram and everywhere, didn't even have the courtesy to show up. Oh my God, she's such a mess. Trying to think if there's anything else in the kind of Bravo universe to talk about before we get into this week's episodes. Oh, Kathy Hilton was on Watch What Happens Live with Crystal Kungminkoff, and it was a live airing, a live taping on Wednesday after The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Dubai aired. And they played this game on the show you know, does Kathy recognize them because she has really bad vision and she's super aloof and she never seems to know who anyone is. And they've played this game with Ramona and some other people before who are similarly aloof and don't recognize anyone. And so they play the game and honestly, it was really funny to watch. And then they get to a picture of Lizzo. And rather than just being like, I don't know who that is, Kathy says, oh, I think I know that's precious. 
um, referring to the actress Gabby Sidibe, who played Precious in the movie many years ago. And people are laughing kind of uncomfortably because it's two large black women who, and Kathy clearly couldn't tell the difference between them. And I know the whole thing was super cringe and I didn't really find it funny. But I know a lot of people are like up in arms to try and cancel Kathy and they're just mad at her. And I just have to keep in mind that last year, Kathy thought Garcelle was Kyle. So like, I truly don't think she can see well. And she should not have guessed like if she doesn't know who these people are. But it also was really sad to me that people thought Lizzo being compared to Gabby was a negative thing. And that, I don't know, the whole thing was just so awkward and uncomfortable. But I also feel like there's so many people looking for a reason not to like Kathy, because they believe that she's racist. And they're like, not that it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, but people I think are looking for things. And so when you're looking for something, you're going to see it, whether it's there or not. And I don't know whether or not Kathy is racist. I never like to call people racist. I like to focus on behaviors and say like that behavior is racist because otherwise it makes it seem like people are irredeemable, you know, and that they can't like anyways. So, um, Anyway, the whole thing was super awkward, (laughs) and I don't really know what else to say about it, Um, but Andy covering his entire face with the cue card was uh, a sight to behold. Also, I haven't been recapping Southern Charm at all, but it really feels like they jumped the shark with this week's episode with a dog wedding. Now, it could have been super cute and funny, but it just felt so overproduced, and I don't know. It's kind of painful to watch Shep at this point in life. Like he is so afraid of getting married because he's afraid of getting divorced. And he's just so incredibly selfish and doesn't seem to think there's anything wrong with that. And maybe there's not. But then he probably shouldn't date people who eventually may want to get married or have children if that's not something that he's interested in. Um, Although Taylor was on Watch What Happens Live this week and said that they didn't start out their relationship very seriously. And it just both of them were kind of surprised at where it led and that she wasn't very vocal about her wants and needs um, with him. But anyway, it's just like him and Whitney, the whole thing was just kind of Ugh, like, oh, marriage, it's so awful. Like, I don't know. That's like this old stupid trope that men, like when they complain about their wives and I don't know, it just felt icky and dumb and super behind the times. And it's like, hey, nowadays people get married because they really like each other and they want to build a life together. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine. But like, you don't need to rag on everyone else that's doing it, you know? And it has been interesting to watch this season because I feel like they're giving it the Beverly Hills treatment in that they're stacking the cast. Like There's so many new people on the Southern Charm cast. It's almost, it's hard to keep up with who all the people are and whether or not they have authentic relationships with one another. But it is interesting to me to see some of the newer people interact with the older people. But I still don't quite get like how they're all connected. and But I'm going to keep watching, especially because Leva unfollows half the cast at the end of the season and they get really mad at her. And I just want to know what it's all about. I'm sure a lot of it stems from jealousy because she's going to have her own show where she's sort of the Lisa Vanderpump and she's overseeing staff that are working at a bunch of restaurants that her and her husband own and operate. All right. Well, I think that's it for news from this week, but I'm sure I missed something. But want to head into the Real Housewives of Atlanta because I love a vacation and I love a vacation to a tropical getaway. And going to Jamaica with these women was so, so fun. So first of all, I am here for Kenya and Drew's unlikely friendship. One of my favorite things about Housewives is unlikely allies, and I find this to be incredibly (laughs) unlikely, but Drew is growing on me. She's definitely not my favorite person, but 
I do enjoy watching her and I enjoy watching her interact with the women. And sometimes I do like disliking her, if that makes any sense. Now, I definitely feel for her in the situation with her son, Josiah, and her husband, Ralph, and I find it really interesting. So Ralph wanted to adopt Josiah, um, but Josiah's biological father really didn't want Ralph to adopt him. And so I don't know if Ralph is not adopting him out of respect to Josiah's biological father or because he wants to keep the door open for Josiah to have a relationship with his biological father one day, even though it's not really there now. And I can understand that. I think there's no right reason, I guess, or right path forward. The most important thing is that Josiah knows that he's loved and cared for, and Ralph is effectively his father, and I think he calls him dad. So, Whether or not it's on paperwork, I don't know if that matters, but I can see all sides of this. It's definitely, it's interesting. What I don't understand is why put a book together about this and get a book deal without your wife's approval, because this involves her child. This is not your child at this point. You have not adopted this child. You don't have sort of legal rights over the child. So you're writing a whole book based on step parenting this child. I don't know the whole thing. It definitely everything about Ralph rubs me the wrong way. And, you know, him saying, Oh, I had to go through this journey by myself before bringing you in. Could you write the forward? Like, he's so obnoxious, honestly, like, why does everything have to go the way he wants? He's so controlling and he's so misogynistic. But the thing is, is Drew is like, (laughs) she has internalized misogyny, like to the nth degree when she told Sonia that you need to make your husband happy and have another baby like she's internalized all of this so you know part of me is like hey this is the kind of guy you wanted someone who just does things without including you (laughs) like I don't know what to what to think about that um I also didn't realize that Sonia's sister, brother-in-law, and their kids also lived with them. Like I knew that her parents lived with them, but I and I believe a sister did, but I didn't realize that there were so many children in the household. And so no wonder she doesn't want to have another child. There's three children in her household already. And we know she's the primary breadwinner, and we know she's kind of coordinating the whole household. And that must be that must be a lot. Um, It was really fun to watch her in Jamaica, though, because she's such a star there. Just hearing that she used to have police escorts when she visited the island. My God. Um, So many things. So many like little nuggets of fun things this episode that I loved. Okay. I loved when everyone on the bus introduced their guests, especially when, you know, Todd introduced himself and Ralph introduced themselves and he liked long walks on the beach. I'm getting very good energy from Moineta, from her husband, and from Michelle, Sheree's friend. They just seem like they're there for a good time, and we definitely need a little bit more laughter. I feel like there's been a lot of fighting, and it needs to be kind of balanced with laughter, and we haven't seen that a lot. Marlo brings this guy, Adrian, and Candy points out that she always talks about everyone else's relationship, but she never shares anything about her own, and she doesn't want us to see her sponsors. And why can't they ask her more questions? I don't know. She really digs deep into everyone's personal life, but yet her personal life is off limits, according to her, and I just think that that is crap. Now, what I really didn't like is Sonia picking on Kenya for not having a plus one on the trip. And then when Kenya's like, oh, my plus one, she got sick, you know, having Sonia say in her confessional, like, oh, first you were sick, now your guest is sick. Like, I don't know, insinuating that like she's lying or something. Like, in case you haven't noticed, there's a bunch of viruses going around. <laughs> like, my God, why is everyone like, and even if she lied about being sick or the friend lied about being sick, like, who cares? I don't know. They, I feel like they're really, really pushing Kenya and making her feel bad about being single and making her feel bad about going on the trip single. And then 
I just couldn't stand that Sonia's like, oh, Kenya's birthday is coming up. So I wanted to do something nice for her. I made, I arranged with the hotel to sprinkle rose petals all over her hotel room. What single woman who's going through a divorce wants to walk into a room with rose petals everywhere, including the bed, and you're alone? Like, who wants that? Just get her a massage for free on the house, like a bottle of champagne. I don't know. But rose petals? Like, that's for couples. Ugh. Sonia is pissing me off. Um, But I did love watching Kenya pick up the guy uh, while they were on the golf cart, John. Now, poor John. He was not ready for the energy that was coming for him at dinner. And it was like so American, too. Americans are just they love asking questions. We're so in your face. And the sky is British. And just like us Americans, we have no chill. And these women have no chill. So like they were just going in. And then, of course, they're arguing so much in front of him. I'm sure he had no idea what he was getting into. And it was hilarious to watch him just run away by the end of the episode. Um, At dinner, the whole conversation comes up about uh, Drew and Ralph and whether or not he's going to adopt Josiah. Marlo brings it up. And then she's just really projecting her own experience as a foster child onto this situation. And everyone else kind of notices like she's just asking questions and she's got a lot of opinions. And it's just it's a sensitive situation and it does not involve her. And so rather than letting Ralph and Drew kind of explain the situation. She just keeps talking. And when Candy points out that Marlo is going super hard, Marlo goes harder after Candy, saying that her mother comes before her man. And Candy, of course, brings up Marlo's nephews. And Marlo's like, why would you bring up a situation that's killing me? Kids are off limits. I'm sorry, Marlo, but you cannot have it both ways. You cannot bring these boys onto this show. Make that your storyline. Share that you kicked them out of your house with everyone and then be upset when it's brought up on camera again. You're like in front of people you don't know. You don't care about that. You care that it's on camera and that suddenly you're not going to look good. And I don't know. Marlo is just absolutely pissing me off. And she just seems to be saying whatever she can say to upset Candy. And she's being disrespectful of Todd, saying that Candy takes care of him, which, you know, Todd makes his own money with the businesses that he has with Candy. And we know that this is something that I'm sure he's like self-conscious about. He feels some type of way that he married someone who's always going to be a bigger star and make more money. And then you know, Candy's like, stop worrying about his kids, start worrying about your nephews. And then Marlo insinuates basically that Candy's not really taking care of her kids because she's always working, which is just such a nasty thing to say to a working mom, especially someone like Candy. And you know that it's something that she's always worried about, you know, and Todd then really fights back. He brings up, you know, he was behind the scenes. He was working production 10 years ago, season four, when they were in South Africa, and he says, no one was your friend, Marlo. Like, at the time, none of these people were your friend. We brought you in. And, you know, they keep arguing about all of that. But at the end, Marlo says that Candy is only known in Atlanta. And it's like... (laughs) In what world is that true? And I just couldn't stop laughing when Candy, she didn't even skip a beat. She's like, bitch, I'm worldwide. And now she's got merch. It's on hats. It's on T-shirts. It's on sweatshirts. And honestly, good for Candy. But why did we get bitch, I'm worldwide shirts before we have She by Sheree joggers? Like, why can't Sheree get her act together? I want these joggers. Um, Obviously, at this point, Kenya's date, John, left. And no one really seems to be enjoying the dinner except for Moneta's husband, (laughs) who just can't stop laughing. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I would be him if I was there. I would just be like looking at the back and forth and like laughing over the absolute craziness. Um, 
All right. Before we get into Beverly Hills in Dubai, I am going to get some water and tea, take a quick break, and be back with you in a minute. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. And I'm back to discuss The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Oh my goodness, this episode was so chaotic. I mean, they all are, but this one was a special level of chaos. So the episode starts out with PK and Dorit visiting their dentist, Dr. Saleh, who was given them matching veneers. And I understand why PK got them, because his teeth looked horrible, but Dorit's didn't really look any different. I'm not sure why she got them. I had to go through the process of getting veneers on my two front teeth because I broke them when I fell a couple years ago, and it was excruciating. It's not fun at all, and you have to go through a couple weeks where you wear these fake things on top of them before the real ones come in, and I can't imagine doing that for my entire mouth. I just, I can't. Anyways, this whole dentist situation is a setup for Dorit to talk about the charity that she cares so much about, which is called Homeless Not Toothless. And as far as charity names go, I would say this is pretty much the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> like, could they have not found a more, I don't know, humane name? Like pointing out that these people are homeless and they don't have teeth? Like what on earth? But as Kathy Hilton pointed out, it's hard to talk without teeth. So I'm glad. I mean, it seems like a really important cause. And Dorit keeps mentioning that Sharon Stone is involved. And that was her neighbor some time ago. So, you know, we're going to have the Homeless Not Toothless charity gala in Dorit's uh, dining room. And I do feel bad that she had been planning this whole gala and they had to just cut it back because everyone was getting covid and it sucks that we're, what, eight months past that and everyone is still getting COVID. I'm doing this podcast with COVID. Oh, so disappointing. Um, also, <laughs> Dorit mentions PK's DUI as a police encounter. And I know she doesn't want to call it a DUI because he was not formally booked on a DUI, but effectively, that's what it was. And I just don't know why she can't call a spade a spade. Like, he was driving intoxicated. And he wasn't super intoxicated. He was, like, right at the legal limit. But, you know, still intoxicated, still got pulled over. And I don't know. It's just, I'm, I really appreciated last week when Garcelle was pointing out the very big difference between how PK was treated and how she would be treated in the same situation. So then Crystal visits Sutton at Sutton's store, named Sutton. <laughs> they discuss Lisa Rinna, and Sutton rightly points out that Rinna acts different when she has an audience. And I feel like she's never gotten out of her soap star days. Like, she's always looking to perform, and she's always looking for an audience. Now, they then discuss Crystal's eating disorder, and Sutton lets Crystal know that people had been talking about her eating disorder when she was not around. And I'm glad that Sun's kind of letting her know, like, hey, it's not exactly great what they're saying. And Crystal says, you know, I forgot that because it's so normal for me, how not normal it is for other people. So talking about binging, purging, not eating, feeling guilty about food, all of those things are very normal for Crystal, but they are not normal, um, I guess, for some of the other women. And so they are concerned about her. And, you know, Sutton felt that the women weren't necessarily concerned. It was much more of judgment. And we did find out this week on Watch What Happens Live that Crystal is in therapy, 
Um, she just never sought inpatient treatment for her eating disorder. So when these women say, oh, she never sought help, she sought help. It's just not inpatient help. And I think that that hasn't been made clear on the show. So I am working on getting an eating disorder expert on the show. And so I don't think next week, but maybe in two weeks, we will do a deep dive on eating disorders and kind of everything that's been on the show thus far and how we as audience and how people can be friends to someone who's struggling with it and what kind of language should we use and what is helpful and what is unhelpful. So if you guys have questions, um, please send them to me ASAP because I am interviewing someone very shortly. Okay. So the next scene, we watch Asher in his leopard on leopard print shirt (laughs) playing the piano and singing. And Diana says, I love when he forgets when I'm in the house. It's like, oh, my God, there's cameras, there's crew, there's boom mics. Like, he knows he's not alone in this house. The only reason you, a multi, multi-millionaire on the show, is because your dinky little fiancé wants to be famous. And so he's made you become a housewife, which you are really not good at. Also, he can have a few scenes of him singing and playing the piano. And so that's what we get. Diana does admit that Asher is like a child and that he's been very sheltered. And it really reminds me of Sergio, although at least Asher is a dad and he seems like he's a very engaged father and that that has, you know, helped him grow up quite a bit. But what is it with these women wanting Like, I get wanting younger men, but younger men that are childlike, it feels like you're just getting another child. Anyway, I'm very in awe of Diana moving forward with IVF, especially at her age and with everything that she has gone through. And she's got a great attitude about it. And I've seen some rumblings on Twitter and Instagram, like, oh my God, she's almost 50. It's like menopausal age. She shouldn't have a baby. Well, interesting fact, you can have a child through IVF as long as you have a uterus and your body will do what it's supposed to do, even if you've gone through menopause. That's why people who have um, been forced through menopause, who've had uh breast cancer, for example, as long as they froze their eggs beforehand or if they use egg donor, you can create an embryo and implant it in the uterus and you will make milk, you will do everything that your body is supposed to do to have a baby, regardless of your age. Now, I'm sure once you're done breastfeeding or whatever, it is uh, quite a shift in hormones. And so we know that Diana had been talking about after her um, miscarriage, the hormone situation. And I can imagine it is even more severe for someone of a certain age, just because your body, yeah, everything going on. But I am in awe of her. And I, yeah, I hope other people learn a little bit about IVF, including IVF postmenopause, just as a result of the show. Um, So then we see Kyle and Erica hang out. They do this crazy stretching thing outdoors. It's so interesting. It's so obvious that on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, because this Omicron surge has hit them so hard, that they're trying so hard to film everything outdoors, even though it's really cold for them in LA. And so it's just, it's just been interesting, something that I've noticed. I think they've tried to move as many things outdoors as possible. And then once everyone on the cast, except Cherie, who's currently going through COVID, got COVID, they're like, all right, Dorit, do do an indoor party. Um, Anyway, so Erica um, lies to Kyle. And the producers are very good at highlighting Erica's lies. She tells Kyle that her dating situation is more of a friendship and that it's very innocent. But the producers flash back to four days earlier when she told the women at Lisa's Rena Rose party that she was having a lot of sex, which is the opposite of very innocent and friendship. 
Erica also really plays down her drinking and says that there's not a problem. But just a couple weeks back, she told Lisa Rinna that there was a problem with her drinking on the medicine that she was on. Erica is just so full of shit. She lies all the time and no one seems to ever want to call her on it. And I feel like it's so fun to watch the producers without really doing a whole lot just by juxtaposing statements that she's made next to one another to prove that at least in one of these situations she is lying. She's either having a lot of sex or she has a very innocent relationship. I think all of it's made up because I feel like people who are having a lot of sex don't need to talk about it all the time. Um, So then we get finally to the homeless, not toothless event. (laughs) And there were so many little odd conversations and one-offs. So, uh, the catering is in the beginning with the pigs in a blanket is from Craig's where fun fact, I went out with Ryan Bailey when we were in LA and it is a place just to be seen and all the housewives seem to love it, but I didn't think it was anything special. Um, We find out that when PK got his DUI, he had been having dinner with Lionel Richie and John Legend that night. And of course, when the cop pulled him over, he's like, what were you doing? He was like, I was at dinner. Who were you at dinner with? (laughs) Lionel and John Legend. (laughs) Like, no wonder he got freaking arrested. Um, And I think PK did take a lesson away from this. He says, The real lesson is when you think you're okay, you may not be. And he says this to Erica, and Erica's like, huh. (laughs) But it really is. That's the lesson. Like, when he got pulled over and he blew a 0.08, that's right on the legal limit. So that could just be a couple of drinks. That's not a ton of drinks to get to 0.08. And a lot of people think they're okay driving, and it's just better not to drink and drive and to not drive somewhere when you know you're going to have drinks. That's just the the best way to go. Um, all right. Then we've got Mauricio and PK judging the fashion. And I know so many people were trying to make this something that I don't think it was, which is them like deciding who's the hottest and Mauricio being like, oh, your wife like Dorit. But I really think that these men who clearly are into fashion were picking apart the women's outfits and whose outfit was best for the theme. And it clearly was Dorit, the golden black theme. It was definitely her. Um, and I don't know. I know they're always trying to, and by they, I don't know, fans, producers, whoever, trying to make it look like there's the sexual tension between Mauricio and Dorit. And I feel like the way it's shown, there is this tension. But I don't know if that exists in real life. And I don't know why. I just, I don't know if I, I believe that. Um, and all right. Oh, it's also super annoying that Dorit is always talking about guys for Garcelle to meet, but then never brings them around. And yes, I get that this one got COVID, but just don't talk about them. Just freaking bring them, right? Like have them meet her. She is absolutely gorgeous. I understand that many of Dorit's friends probably are into her. So just like set a girl up. Come on. Um, Diana brings up that she relied on a dental charity to remove her wisdom teeth, but that they grew back after. So I had to look this up. I'm like, is this something that can happen? So while your wisdom teeth can't grow back, you can definitely have more than just four wisdom teeth. And these extra teeth can be anywhere in your mouth, but usually they're kind of in the back and they're called supernumerary teeth. Can, can the dentist who's listening please let me know if this is... True. Anyways, that whole thing was like, what? Why did that make it in the episode? There's so many things that have been cut in these never before scenes that we get, but we hear that Diana had her wisdom teeth and that they grew back. <laughs> like, there is too much dental stuff in this episode, okay? Too much, too much. So then is really kind of the meat of the episode, which is this big fight that's all started by Kyle being a little shitster, trying to kind of get Rinna and Sutton to talk about how everything that's going on. 
with them. Rinna is famously was upset with Garcelle for not thanking Harry Hamlin for the sauce so that when Sutton, when it was asked about it on Watch What Happens Live, points out that she never got a thank you from Rinna when Harry and Rinna sat at her table at the Elton John AIDS Foundation Gala. And so that embarrassed Lisa Rinna and apparently Harry Hamlin, and she has just not let it go. And this has happened like this is like three months after. She's just not letting it go. And there was a deleted scene from last week's episode where at the Rinna Rose party, Rinna says, Hey, it's not about Harry. And it's not that Harry was embarrassed. And Garcelle, you know, and about Garcelle not being grateful for the sauce. And so we're seeing her invoke Harry again, even though last week she had told them Harry has nothing to do with it. So Sutton said, you know, I sent Harry a very thoughtful text. And Rin is like, no, you didn't. But Sutton, of course, has the text on her phone. And I love when she pulls out her reading glasses to read her receipts. It's my favorite look of Sutton. And Rinna is like, if you want to make this go away, make a public apology. A public apology? Like, what do you mean go away? It's just if you want me to stop badgering you, she keeps saying you need to do this. You need to do that. And like Sutton does the things most of the time. And then thank God Sutton like opens up this like Lisa Rinna rule book and says, do what she says. And then it goes away. And meanwhile, Crystal's friends with the dentist and his wife, and they're texting her like, what the hell is going on? I can't imagine how embarrassed Crystal must be having her real life friends that are not a part of the housewives witness such like chaos. And Rinna is so unhinged and she's screaming like at sudden, what made you do that? Like, I don't know what she wants Sutton to say. And I just want them to all ask Rinna, what made you do what you do? What made you go after LVP, after Kim Richards, after Denise? Like, what makes you such an asshole? And right on cue, Melissa Etheridge comes down the stairs, of course, after PK has messed up the lighting and turned the lights all the way up and then all the way dim. (laughs) And she performs Come to My Window. And these women lose their minds. They love this song. They love Melissa Etheridge. And I love how much they loved her. Like, they looked like they were enjoying themselves. This is no boy, George. Like, they didn't have to pretend. They were so excited. And I loved Rob Minkoff taking all the photos with the women and Melissa Etheridge after. Just, by the way... Rob seems like such quality husband material. He seems like such a nice guy. He never gets gets caught up in gossip. He never like gets pulled into stuff that he doesn't need to be pulled into. And he seems to love, adore, and support his wife. So yay for the Jewish husband. Um, and then after this, Rena just has a full-on breakdown. She says that her mom's stuff came to her house that day. And it's all of her things. It's, you know, Rinna's childhood things, photos. And then says, you know, her pain isn't about Sutton. And then she's like, we're going to let that go now. I have a lot of anger and feelings about a lot of things in my life. Okay, for her to say, we're going to let that go now, like she's the one that needs to let it go. She needs to talk to herself. I'm going to let that go now. Why is she using we? And then she's like trying to figure out how to live without my, I'm trying to figure out how to live without my mom and I don't know how to do it. And that was, that was painful because I've been in that situation. I've said those things through tears and I believe that her pain is real. But when you take your pain out on other people, first of all, it's usually someone you're actually very close to. So they can't actually get rid of you, even though you're being like a dick. So in my case, like my dad or my brother, or they would do it to me where we would get in arguments over really silly little things after my mom died. And it was all about my mom and grief. And it had nothing to do with us actually being frustrated at each other. But why would you take it out on a 
a honestly a coworker, which is what Sutton is to Lisa. I do not believe they are that close, even though Lisa brought Sutton on the show. And like, why? I don't know. She's just not letting none of it make sense. And I'm really tired of Lisa using her grief as an excuse over and over because, okay, let's say up until this point, which was January 2022, fine. But think of all of the things that Lisa has done since January 2022 after the Melissa Etheridge concert in Dorit's house. She has gone to war on social media with some guy named Patrick who none of us know where he came from. She has made wild accusations uh, about Kathy Hilton. She, I mean, she's gone insane. She says anyone that when anytime she criticizes Garcelle, she's considered racist. I mean, told everyone to go watch Dubai if they don't like her show. And then again, blames everything on her grief. You can only do that like once. And then you have to seek help and get yourself to stop doing whatever you're doing. But the hard part with Lisa Rinna is that she has had poor and unhinged behavior for a very long time. This is before Lois's death. This is before Lois got sick. So what was her excuse for going crazy on Kim Richards and saying that she was close to death or being so upset at LVP for leaking a story to a tabloid or for Denise Richards, for God forbid, sleeping with a woman like None of it adds up, and I I just feel like if Lisa's in such despair, then maybe she needs to be put on pause. Anyways, that's how I feel about Beverly Hills. On to the Real Housewives of Dubai. Okay, so I really feel like we have the makings of a good show, but we're not seeing it yet because it's not firing on all cylinders. And a huge part of that is if we can get Carolyn Stanberry and Chanel Ayan to be the friends slash frenemies that Karen Huger and Giselle Bryant are, I feel we could have the makings of a fantastic franchise. But they're just, they're not there yet. Um, I also find it really weird that Sergio can't be away from Carolyn Stanberry. He acts like a child. Like, what did he do before he met her? What is wrong with him? He recorded a video of himself and put it on Instagram crying that he missed her. I get that Carolyn has typically been with British men who don't show a lot of emotion. And so her heart is warmed by the fact that she's with a man that can show emotion. But I feel like this is like clingy and unhealthy. I don't know. I also think it's kind of weird and unhealthy that Nina has never spent a night away from her children. And she says, you know, people tell me that's unhealthy, but like, where's the boundary? I don't know. Her kids aren't babies. Like, if doesn't she run her own businesses? Has she never had to go on a business trip away from her children for one night? What about spending time with her husband away from her children? Like, has that ever happened? I don't know. When... Those kind of people, I just can't relate at all. And maybe I say it's weird because it's weird to me because I can't relate. Like, it'd be like, oh, I don't, I never want to leave my dog Stassi. I hate leaving my dog Stassi. I love being with her all the time. But like, sometimes you leave them. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, um, I did love seeing Brooks and Sarah go driving in the desert with ATVs. It's fun to kind of see what life is like in the desert. And Sarah seems to be the most kind of at ease in the Emirates because that's where she's from. But she is so preachy. And when they have their little picnic and it's 98 degrees, I don't know. I'm like, oh, I imagine like sand getting in my face and in my mouth. It just it didn't look that fun. And I wouldn't want to be around someone that's like saying things such as, I want to show her that surviving can be beautiful. It doesn't have to look like this. That's such a patronizing thing to say. Like Sarah is so preachy and she loves to pretend like she's a therapist, but she is not. It's almost like she's like, I don't know, like a magic eight ball. Like, But like every time you shake it, you get a really obnoxious Instagram quote. <laughs> 
that's how I feel about her. She's just like, you shake her and you just get like an empty quote. Um, I did love seeing Nurai Island. It's such a different landscape than anything I've ever seen before, which is really fun. It's like the desert and then all of a sudden it's an island. And I'm used to seeing islands, I guess, in more tropical settings like we saw with Jamaica or when the Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip was in Turks and Caicos. But seeing an island that's like a desert also with water surrounding is something that's kind of new to me. And I think it's a really cool landscape. And honestly, it's probably more than half the reason that I watch the show is to see a different kind of lifestyle, but also a different scenery and landscape. And the house, oh my God, so gorgeous. $50,000 a night. I would love to stay at a place like that. That looks so cool. And it's right near Abu Dhabi. Um, Chanel Ayan was very annoying this trip. And I say this as an Ayan stan. I love Chanel. I find her so funny. But she was talking too much. She was repeating other people what they were saying. She was not listening. And she was also taking everything so literally. And I don't know. She needs to, I hope she watches back and sees where she's annoying and makes like calculated kind of like, okay, I'm going to be less intense in this area and I'm going to step it up in this area, just like most housewives do when they watch themselves back. Um, we learned a little bit more about the women. So we learned Lisa has her clit pierced and she solved her cousin's murder from Dubai through her dreams, <laughs> which like, I don't know if I believe that. I just don't like, I want to see the freaking investigators notes. I want to know like who the murderer was. I want to know like, was this presented at trial? Like what? <laughs> I don't know. That just seemed like kind of, I don't know, full of shit, but you know, I don't know if she was telling it to me in the moment, I probably would believe her. But just watching it on the show, I was like, Lisa, the other thing that was very full of shit was Brooks sharing that she dated a president elect who was married. (coughs) Okay, first of all, I'm assuming she means a presidential nominee, not elect, because the president elect becomes the president. That means that she has either dated Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Barack Obama or George W. Bush. And I don't think she's dated any of those men. So here's another thing. She had her birthday this week and online she claims she's 34 on like her social media. But I did some digging and records show that she's 37. So the records could be wrong. I didn't see like her birth certificate, her long form birth certificate if we're talking about a president elect. But I would guess that she is 37. So if I had to guess which president-elect that didn't become president, or which presidential nominee she's slept with, I would have to guess John Kerry because he's from Boston and that's where she's from. But John Kerry's not really known for cheating and sleeping around, I don't think. Uh, but his running mate, John Edwards, very much was. And I'm wondering if it was John Edwards that she had a relationship with. So that's my guess, but would love to hear other people's guesses. She also just could be flat out lying, or she could say that she dated someone who basically was running for president, which is a ton of people who run for president um, and never become the nominee. Uh, so the fake surfing wave thing looked really cool, but when they were showing the drone, it looked less cool, if that makes sense. So from overhead, it looked smaller. It wasn't like this big wave pool. It was much smaller. And also the ocean's right there. So they must not get any waves on the ocean that they could actually try and surf on the ocean. I don't know. Um, And then they have this dinner and everyone seems to be getting along and having a good time. But things kind of take a turn when the conversation becomes about whether Brooks can do something on her own or why does she take help from her ex-husband and what it means to depend on a man. And then Chanel Ayan says, well, I depend on my husband. It's the same as your husband pays for you. And Stanberry is trying to explain to her, no, it's different. Like, 
you can have your husband pay for things, but you also have your own income and, you know, make your own money. And she does this by saying, okay, Chanel, like, do you run your own business? She's trying to prove a point. But that question sets Ayan off. And she just goes on and on and on and is talking in circles. And Stanberry keeps saying, I'm not putting you down and trying to explain. But Ayan's not letting her talk. And it was the first time I felt really frustrated with Ayan since, honestly, the first episode when they had that argument um, after Stanberry's, uh, I guess, bachelorette party that Ayan wasn't invited to. Like she was really obnoxious then as well. And I love her. I find her so funny and so charming, but I'm a little nervous that she's going too hard in this housewives thing. Like it's a little weird to me that she befriended Jennifer Aiden and that she ended up at Teresa Judice's wedding. Like she barely knew Teresa and Teresa's own brother and sister-in-law weren't there. I don't know. I don't want her to get too comfortable too quickly. I just, I don't know. I don't want her to fade. She's such a star. I just don't want her to fade. Anyway, I would love to hear what you guys think about this, about everything I said today, about this week's episodes, about future episodes. Um, Any questions you may have for an eating disorder expert, please send me a message. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, go ahead and give it a five-star rating and leave a kind review. And if you want to reach me, you can find me in my DMs at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you for putting up with me and my voice. I tried to drink tea and stop every so often so that I wasn't coughing too much. Um, I really appreciate the kind messages I got from everyone and... I hope you all have a wonderful week and I will talk to you again next Sunday.